happening there? I can see myself talking, but I can't see you. Oh, I know why. Turn it on, please. Hello, hello. <laughs> yes, the mic was off. And welcome. Welcome back, guys. Hi. Welcome back to the When You're Ready podcast with myself, Kieran, and my beautiful mother, Sandra. Auntie Sandra, to you if you're listening. Yes. How you been, Mum? I've been great, Kieran. Yeah. I've been great. Been a minute since I've seen you, to be fair. It has been a while. Yeah, you're looking very well. And yourself? I feel like every time you step into my house, you look like, you look younger. Oh, uh, really? Thank you. Yeah, I've, maybe it's the pigtails, I don't know. Or maybe it's the gym kit, I don't know. <laughs> but something something is, uh, missing, is given. You've been it's missing been me, Kieran. Uh, I always miss you when I've been away for a little while, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that, that is true. That okay. is true. Okay, so tell me about your time in Côte d'Ivoire. Côte d'Ivoire. Yeah, so um, for the last two weeks now, uh, well, I've been back for a week, but... For 10 days, I was in Côte d'Ivoire, which is the western coast of Africa, uh, sandwiched between, I want to say Ghana and, oh, a little bit of geography for you, Kiyos, the other side of Côte d'Ivoire. I actually don't know. That's a very that's very bad. That is terrible. I think it's Nigeria, but I'm I could be. I was be, gonna I was gonna say it was, but I could be very very wrong I'll here. I'll let you have a look. Um, let me double check because I don't want to get it wrong. <clears throat> but uh, I was there for the Ivory for the African Cup of Nations, which was happening Ghana and Ghana Liberia, mm. Guinea, and Bikini for sale. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. And Mali is sandwiched between all of those. But it is right next to Ghana. However, I was there for the uh, 2023 Total Energies Africa Cup of Nations, uh, which is basically the African World Cup for football. Wow. Um, uh, my second time in Africa. The first time I went, I was there for the 2021 a tournament in Cameroon mm. which was won by Senegal and I was this time around with the boys from out of home and we got the opportunity to do it all over again so watched a bunch of football got uh, immersed in Ivorian culture which is completely different to Cameroon mm. like completely different in what way so when we went to Cameroon, they're both francophone countries, by the way, which means they all speak French. Um, Anglophone would be those that speak English. But when we went to Cameroon, it was just on the back of the of the pandemic. So there wasn't much things happening. We were getting tested every day and things weren't open. Things weren't like... Um, Things things just weren't a vibe. I think there was like one rooftop bar that wasn't a rooftop bar that was open. Uh, there was limited people in our hotels, and there was limited people at the the tor- at the tournament itself. Mm. But the difference in uh, Cote d'Ivoire was that it felt like the whole of Africa <laughs> descended on Abidjan, which was amazing nice. because. It was like a, a a celebration of culture, a carnival of culture, if you may, like just seeing so many people from different walks of life and different parts of the continent. So you had people from South Africa. South Africa did really well in the mm. tournament. Uh, DR, Congo did really well in a tournament. Uh, I saw Ni- people from Nigeria, people from Ghana, people from Bikini uh, Faso, people from... Cape Verde, the Moroccans, the Egyptians. Mm. So it was just like a celebration of football, but also a celebration of African culture. And it was really lovely to be a part of, especially whilst the UK was very cold. <laughs> I was waking up to 33 degree heat every day. So can I just ask you, when, when did this start? When did the tournament start? 
the, the first tournament, do you know? Ooh. The very first tournament. That's, I, I think it was the 60s, 68 maybe, but okay. um, I'm, I can double check. Why, why do you ask that? No, I'm just wondering in comparison to football here. For, okay, so the first African Cup of Nations uh, was in... Yeah, 1957. Oh, what did wow. I say? 58. It was close. Yeah, very. <laughs> so, do you know where the first one was? Uh, the first one was in Sudan. Okay. The first one was in Sudan. And uh, I can't... Who won that? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe, was it Algeria? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, no, I'm not sure, but I can double check to see who won. Yeah, to won that one. But oh, um, the first, oh, the first one, <laughs> Egypt were the first people to win it, first country to win it. But um, and they're probably the most successful in the tournament. Mm. I think they won like twelve or fifteen oh, wow. um, titles. But um, it was it was it was amazing because it was in Cote d'Ivoire and it was the home nations tournament mm. and. The tournament was filled with like so much narratives. So football for me is one of those sports that provides you with the raw emotion and tense like feeling that you would feel feel in a film, mm-hmm. and you it takes you on such a journey. And sometimes the outcome is not what you want it to be, and sometimes it is a fairy tale ending. And for Les Elephants, which is the nickname of the the Ivorian team, it really was a, a fairy tale. Like if they had thought about how their script was going to be written for this tournament, I don't think they would have been able to write what truly happened because mm. only that that could only have happened in fiction, but it happened in football, right? So at the beginning of the tournament, they were on the brink of being eliminated from their group because they hadn't... I don't think they won a game. They drew two and lost one, which meant they were on two points out of a possible nine and they were third third bottom. So second bottom in their table. So there was four teams and they were like third, right? And they needed Morocco to to win a game in order for them to go through to the knockout stages. So they were basically, they were literally heading out. They weren't going to go through. And then oh, and on top of that, they sacked their manager after the first game. So the first game, they lost 4-0. They sacked their manager. They're on the brink of going out. The host nation is literally like, this is terrible. Imagine hosting... Sacking your, na- your manager right at the beginning of a game. Yeah, but imagine being... Uh, uh, Imagine being a supporter or a follower of your team. You've brought all of these African nations to your country and, then you and you're embarrassing yourself. Like, like that was what that was the feeling of um, what the Ivorians had at the beginning. Mm. It was like they were embarrassed. Mm. It's like we've brought all of these people to our amazing country. country. We boasted it up. We said we've got this team, Les Elephants, and we're gonna like do well. And we're literally fumbling at the first at the first hurdle. But it it almost like that happening, them losing, them changing their manager. The manager was someone who was local to the team, had been part of the team for so long. Um, built up this this fire in the country. And with every passing round, you could just see like this confidence arising through their players and the fans and they start to believe. And it was like, no. I remember the first... The first uh, game I got to see this happen was uh, we went to this um, uh, fan fan zone to watch them play Mali in the quarterfinals, I think it was, and they were losing. And, like, the, I think there was probably about 10 minutes left in the game. You could feel the energy start to drain away from the crowd that you're sitting with. And all of a sudden they score... And then they score again and the place erupts. And you're like, oh, they might be able to win this, you know. And you, you start to see it. You start to believe it yourself. Stephen wasn't believing it. Stephen's mm. Nigerian, right? Mm. And he, 
he was he was sure that Nigeria was going to win this tournament. And they got all the way to the final and it's been, I think, 10 years since they've been to the final and won. And, and I think he was, like, so... Um, he, he was so, like, not sure, but he was very, very confident that Nigeria was going to go on to win it. But yeah. everyone around was like, bro, like, can't write off the Ivorians <laughs> after what they've been able to do, man. They've come so far and eventually they did win it. But I think, for me, the biggest thing about, like, being there was being in that stadium on the final, looking around and seeing black faces in the crowd. So much so that it felt as if the crowd had been CGI'd. Like, it didn't look real. Mm. It didn't look real at all. You could look, there was about 65,000 fans in the stadium and... 98% 98% of it was black or 99% of it was black and coming from a place where you've grown up playing football you've watched football you've been in these crowds and you're the only dark-skinned person or you and a few people it's like spotting you in the crowd mm. like you look around the crowd like oh there's a black person oh he supports that team oh he's a black person that supports Chelsea or the black person that supports uh Lincoln oh wow there's a black person there you know what I mean and then you're like oh there's a whole country or countries and cities of, like, black people that just love football. And it just made me fall in love with it again. It made me fall in love with the idea of just, like, being part of um, a community of people that love this game. And, you know, when you're in Africa or you're in places where you're 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 predominantly, well, it's predominantly black, you forget that you're black. Like, it was such a slap in the face when I came back home and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> raw, oh yeah, like, I just because I didn't have to think about it mm-hmm. once when I was there. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just had a really beautiful time. Like, it's been a, lot, a long time since myself, Yaf, Steve and Kwame got together and was able to just spend some time and like, actually be friends. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds very cliched and very like I don't know very probably weird because we are friends but when you spend so much time recording and thinking about what the next episode is going to be you forget to like take stock in the fact that you're friends first and Mm. you enjoy each other's company and you miss each other and you have such great time when you're just like sitting around and doing nothing Nothing. like or or doing something Mm. so it was really nice I had the opportunity to like just relax um learn pick things up again like just like the art of listening to someone Mm. i mean obviously in a country where you don't speak the language you spend more your time just listening didn't you practice your french i did a little bit but (laughs) because i haven't i'm I'm out of practice i'm not the greatest when it comes to to doing that but um no it was it was really nice and like one and like the night i think one of the things that happened Whilst I was out there, was I was able to do a little bit of work, which was amazing. You know, I got the opportunity to um, be part of a, um, I guess, the changing face of what African football looks like Mm -hmm. and offered my words to the tournament, having been asked by the organisers to wrap up what the tournament had been meant for the teams and for Mm -hmm. the fans and the spectators and that was incredible because I thought, yeah, mm. when they asked me to do this, it was just gonna, you know, like I was gonna make do a little spoken word thing. They put it out, it'll go out, and I'll be like, yeah, that was great. Like, it'll, like it'll be seen by a few people, and do you know what I mean? I get to talk about that I did it, but mm. I had no idea that when this piece of work came out, that I would be thrusted in front of millions of people in a sense that in a couple of days across like three different platforms it had done 10 million views I was like never happened to me in my life Mm. so it was really nice to just like see uh the response of you know like African people to the work that I had brought to life through the football and for them to receive it as as beautifully as they did, mm. uh, it was really it was really humbling and really touching. T- 
touching thing to happen. But yeah, I, that's what I've been up to. So what was the highlight? The highlight? Of the two weeks. It was two weeks, wasn't it? Uh, I've had a, there was a lot of highlights, you know. There was a lot of highlights. The one that really stands out for you? <clears throat> the one that probably stands out to me. Oh. I think I think for me it was it was it must have been the final because I keep re- returning to it. Mm. It had to be like standing there in amazement when Cote d'Ivoire won and almost like shedding a tear, realizing that this this is what football looks like to African football people mm. when you grow up in Africa and you play football and you watch football, you don't know football any other way than what you see it there. It's like played by black people, mm. got like refereed by black people, watched by black people, and it doesn't have the same sort of like feeling and energy that comes sometimes when you watch the English game mm. where you might have like like un- like people talking f- like about things that are like derogatory mm. it just feels like everything's a celebration mm. like you had nigerian fans stand sitting right next to cot devorian or ivorians and the vibe just being cool do you know what i mean people are playing drums Love and the you. chants are not chants they're like it's like meditation yeah like, <laughs> like the, the songs that they're singing is yeah. like it's like uplifted and meditation and yeah. you're in there and it just feels spiritual and you're like Oh my gosh, this is football. Like, this is football. Mm. And this is football from, like, from, like, our essence. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I know this is a sport that was bought to us, but, like, like anything that is black... It probably felt like... I'm at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really did. It really did. And obviously, and, and naturally, like... I, I I am a proud, as I said, I spoke on the Out of Home podcast the other day. Um, I I say I'm a pr- I'm a proud Caribbean, mm. but being going back to Africa, you you feel like you're at home. Do you know what I mean? And it's very difficult for us because we don't know where we're from on the continent, but there are elements of that where you just instantly connect to, and you're just like. Oh, this just makes sense. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think that was like the highlight for me. That was, and that's been that's been my trip for the last two weeks. Apart from getting a bit of a funny tummy, yeah, um, which lasted quite a quite a while. But I'm over it now. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm over it. it. I'm over it now. Um. So the people themselves. Yes. Very friendly. Yeah, 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 yeah. By the pictures yeah. and um, what I could see that yeah. he had um, taken. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they take to you guys? Um, Ivorians are lovely people. Like they're just very, very, um, very welcoming, very um, open, very funny people. Mm. Um, they live by this. Je de vivre, uh, which like a phrase, a French phrase, which is like enjoy the life. Do you know what I mean? Like or like it's kind of like say la vie, but mm. like yeah, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the life. See the day, enjoy the life. Mm. Like I think so. I think that's what it is, and it it comes across in the way that they live. You know, like mm. um, we we learn about a man called uh, Felix Hufet Boigny who was the first president after their um, independence. And he was a visionary. He was this guy who um, wanted better for his country, mm-hmm. who put the necessary... Um, uh, he put the necessary uh, building blocks in place and the foundation in place to make... Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire, sorry, the the place that it is now. Like in the eighties, they had buildings that no one in 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 Africa had, and like they were going around being very proud of that. The fact yeah. that they had the infrastructure and the motorways and the weight and like the the train stations in order to 
like get around and to do things that not many people in um, the rest of the continent had. Mm. And I think it's a testament to like his visionary way because there's a place oh, I don't want to I don't want to say the name right, but it's the actual. So um, Abidjan's not the capital of uh, Cote d'Ivoire. No, the capital of um, of uh, Cote d'Ivoire is a place called, uh, let me get it up for you because I don't want to mispronounce it. It's called uh, Yamasakuro. Yeah, Yamasakuro, right? And he built this place with the intention that it was going to become a, like a place of pilgrimage for Africans all over the world to come. Like, I think he built this uh, Christian temple which a church i guess a christian temple <laughs> uh which is one of the biggest in the world mm. and yeah and he's got like this this foundation that practices that teaches a peace and i never got the chance to go but it was like this guy felix fufet boni is mm. one of the like uh pioneers in the Fran- like francophone uh uh countries that like really push forward this idea of like pan-Africanism and black excellence within mm. his country. So that's why the people of Ivory Coast and Cote d'Ivoire and the Ivorians themselves are, are so proud. They're proud people. Mm. So they were lovely. They were very respectful to us. We were very respectful to their culture and who they were. And, and I feel like they they gave us... Um, yeah, man, they, they just... We're, 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 even in the broken... Franklish that we had between us like we were able to communicate okay. and, and, and show love mm. to each other so it was really nice to oh, nice. Do it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. good and for the food ah uh, so I wouldn't be going back for the food oh I wouldn't okay. be going back for the food I mean the guys might have a different opinion but I I the way my stomach set up I didn't really have a the, the, the greatest time mm. Um, with food we had like maybe two or three good meals that I was like yeah like I, mm. I mess with this but um, I, I personally for me it wasn't something that like I I could stomach and that's, that could just be that down to the fact that it was like certain spices that okay. didn't agree with me too, too much but um, yeah it wasn't it wasn't my, my favourite vibes okay. to be honest with you it's nice to see you back <laughs> yeah I'm Good back uh, yeah. yeah yeah I'm back I'm well rested um, good I'm, I'm back I'm glad I'm back um, how have you been what have you been up to yes I mean like haven't seen you for a couple of weeks have you been keeping up with your yes I've been yeah. doing my little bits and pieces I've yeah. been going to the gym mm-hmm. gym of my house yeah yeah but- <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a little bit of exercise mm. um yeah i've been good yeah um as you know i've been trying to do lots of different little bits and pieces yeah so um today yeah. you bought me a care package yes what's in the care package oh well you can have a look what is in the care package so mum mum as as uh, i feel like we've mentioned before but mum is a, a a creator of many things experiences of children but also of soap <laughs> and fragrances and oils and right now i'm opening up uh, a little box that she's got me with three things uh the first thing i have in my hand is what would you like to call this this looks like a bramley's apple pie but it's not edible no so you could you, you could try eating it but, um i'm sure so, you'll end so what, what have i got in my hand really what am i holding so you're holding a soap a soap okay and it's made of sea moss yeah and it's got turmeric in there okay C-mos so this can't so this was gonna this turmeric turmeric smells quite yeah and i've got lemon. some lemon essence oh yeah yeah, it smells, smells nice. Yeah, it's so what's the, what's the benefits of uh, turmeric and... I'll let you uh, try and you can... T- <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, just put that on your skin. Uh, just put that on your skin. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Na- now we have... Uh, I'm losing my voice, Karen. That's okay, Mama. Uh, we have a, uh, oh. a vial of... A little vial that I um. What's in this? So I've got in here mm-hmm. 
it's my secret recipe. Right. For your hair. Okay. So I can't tell you. So I, <laughs> you can't tell it's, me. It's 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 got rosemary. Okay. In there. Yeah. And some oils. Okay. Some, some essential oils. Some, yeah, it's got essential. All oils. natural. It's got all all natural. Yeah. Okay. And we've been using that. Okay, so nice. I thought I'd give you some. All right, cool. And and then I made you some raspberry sea moss raspberry gel. Raspberry sea moss gel. And this is to be drank one time? Drink? You just take a spoon of it. A spoon drank. Every day, but I've just given you a little sample there. Okay, so cool. A spoon, a spoonful but of... But I could see Kieran's face kind of like... Sea moss. Uh, this looks a little bit like... I'm trying to... Think of what this. This looks. Why don't you a just taste some? No, I'll taste some in a bit. I think I will. Or yeah. do you want? Do you want like a taste test now? I've got a spoon here. Yeah, go on. Do a taste test. All right, all right. I'm gonna an doing a opinion. live taste test on the podcast. I'm about to open up. Uh, I'm gonna put the mic just here. I'm gonna open up this uh, sea moss and raspberry. Are we? Yeah. yeah. Are you getting that through on the headphones? Are you? Just a little yeah, bit of it. Nice. A little bit. All right. Here we are. I have my spoon here. Okay. And just the, what, a teaspoon, little teaspoon? No, little? you can take a, just, you, well, you're doing a taste test, so. What, like this? Yeah. Oh, it's dripping. A bit of a, bit of a thick consistency. Here goes. That's <laughs> curious. Okay. Tangy. Bit tangy. Mm. Yeah. Um, Sweet. But, I, I can taste the sea moss. Well, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all right. Yeah. It's not, that's not bad at all. No. Like that. Like that, like that. So every day, yeah, put that, leave that in the fridge, yeah? Yeah. All right, that's cool. Superman. So, yeah, so um, mum's bought me some uh, some goodies. Yes. But so, um, what, else, what else have you been up to since well, I've been away? Okay, so I have been doing my candles. Yeah, yeah. How's um, that going on? Yes, as you know, candles are like a little science thing. Yeah. That I've been doing for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's going really well. I've... Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, Clear? I'm just taking a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've been doing my candles. But, you know, this the little things that I've done at the moment, I just feel that my brain was just calling me to just do some new stuff. Yeah. You know, and I get a little bit sidetracked. <laughs> I, think we all, I think we all I get, get a little bit sidetracked. I get a little bit sidetracked because I think, wow, I just really love the feeling of getting immersed into making products. Yeah, right. And I kind of like drift away from my main things that I should be doing. Um, which is... What, what, is the, what are the main things the, that you should be doing? The main thing that I was doing, which was my candles. So okay, I, okay. Doing my candles. Yeah. But then I got sort of like pulled into... My CMOS mm. and making so yeah. One of the things, one of the and things, and I just you know because I find it very therapeutic. Yeah, because I do lots of other things, mm-hmm. and it was just the way of kind of like de-stressing me. Right. So I could just get into my little zone. Do you think that you? Um, do you think that you do? either creative projects because you get a little bit stuck on the other ones or is it because you need to do other things like what is the reason why you would go you'll leave one and then start another one do you need something to feel completed um i don't how do i work it out uh i do I just feel that I, I feel like an octopus. Right. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like an octopus. Yeah. And because, because I was speaking to someone about this on Sunday, okay, okay. I feel I can do it. I do do it. Yeah. I do produce it. Yeah. And then I'll give it to someone. Yeah. And it gives me great satisfaction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone said to me, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. should. Right. <laughs> right. Which is... True. Very true. But I just find very, I just find it very satisfying just mm. being able to create something. I think, and I, and I, I find it, very, I find it very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. But then I do go back to. So my, it's so my main. Would thing. you say it's the process or is it the end result that you enjoy? Both. I like the process of. Okay. I, I like the. I, I like both. Okay. Because I only ask this because 
with the candles, yeah. we are still in process, right? No, no. We're in process in terms of our labels. Yeah, branding. Our branding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, the, yeah. The branding. Yeah. So the candle itself, that's done. Right. We, we, we got the wax business and the fragrance. The, okay, that's all okay. together. Yeah. So the branding is there. But I just feel that I need to be making, creating. And, and, and giving. And giving. <laughs> yeah, give you. And, but I just, I just, I, yeah, I just love it. No, I, no, I, I'm. Your um, Kwame, Kwame said to me the other day is that I'm a, I'm a real artiste. Mm. Um, I don't feel like myself unless I'm creating something. That's it. And I do feel that's. I do recognise myself. Yeah, and I just, I just things. feel even last week mm. I just felt I woke up and I said, do you know what, I, I've got to do these soaps, mm-hmm. and then. And because I couldn't get to do it, because I had to do something else. Yeah. By the end of the night, I had to do it mm, to feel mm, satisfied. Yeah. And to look at it and say, "Yeah, it looks great. Let me go and use them. <laughs> Let yeah, me yeah, use yeah. them." And I just felt, "Yeah, that's it." I'm trying. I'm, I wonder if, like, um, if 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 it's the if it's the satisfaction of getting something done that keeps you going, or is it? Do you do you need? Is it because you need to have but you be know busy, what? or do you? Is it like what is it? Does it calm you? Like what is the feeling of creativity that? It I just gives find you? it. I just find it extremely calming. Mm. It, yeah, I just find it really calming. I just feel that it takes me somewhere else. Mm, 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 mm. That's it's, it's a really interesting no, thing. It that. does. It does, and just just each process. Yeah. Just making things. Yeah. I just love creating things. Don't you remember the things I used to create for you to go to school in? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, no, no. We've, I think we've, yeah, we've mentioned we, that we before. Did, yeah, we did, so. yeah. We have mentioned that. Um, no, I, it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's, it's something that I think uh, identify, I identify with you mm. and something that I think has always been, um, yeah, something that I've always looked at you and been like, yeah, my mum makes things, but I never really understood that what that meant in context of. And the funny thing is, my mum makes things. Yeah, she, she does. Yeah, she, she's a dressmaker. Yeah. And I suppose maybe that's where I get. That. My niece. Yeah. Is also creative. Oh yeah, your yeah. Cousin, she's very creative. Mm-hmm. I got creative nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting that because I never really considered anybody to be. And quite a few people that I know. Creatives. Yeah, they're until, beautiful people. Yeah, until but until you like you look at what people are doing and bringing into the world, you are like, okay, that's what it actually is. Because to me, it was just this is what we do. It's, yeah. it was, there was never a label on what we no. were doing, and I think sometimes being who we are and the things that we made was out of a necess- necessity mm. of mm. lack. Like we didn't have, so we made. Yeah, you know. So mm. the fact that Nanny, your mum, was able to make clothes because it was like this is easier. We have so many kids that no, she, she we, we can she make this. Lo- she loves sewing. She yeah. loved, She taught it. She just loves making things. Mm. And I suppose I grew up with her making. Mm, mm, mm. So um, I can also say. Yeah, but you can say. But but I get more enjoyment doing mm. like the soaps and the yeah. oils and the creams yeah. and the whatever. Mm. I just yeah. So also, so you've been so you've been focusing on uh, I guess in the last couple of weeks making things uh, and also uh, bringing to life your brand. I don't know if we want to name name drop it at the moment but um it's looking lovely and i do know that there's a few a few things that we need to work on before we start to like bring it out and show people and allow people to see what you've been working on but i'm really excited for it because i think it's something that um you've spent a lot of time on a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort on like making sure it's right for you Mm. um something that i've kind of tried to help spearhead and bring along with you to be um to just to make sure that you you 
you make something that represents you rather than yeah. it being something that isn't, you know? No, correct. Um, but we all, I think before we got on this, uh, the mics today, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about, um, you wanted to talk about a topic. Yeah. Um, and, and about um, autism um, and your experience of raising a child with autism and uh, learning difficulties. Um, Nicholas, our, my young, well, one of my younger brothers, suffers from, or he lives with, I wouldn't say suffers from, lives with a condition called osteocraniosynosis. Mum? Um, and, ver- and verbal dyspraxia, motor yeah, dyspraxia. So it will come under the autistic spectrum. So Autism. The, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a developmental disability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all got, we've all got autism in some form or shape. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. Pardon? I'd agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, but for Nicholas, um, yeah. It's, we... Can I ask you something? And oh, you don't have to. What when you? Because I remember when we were younger, there was a decision that you had to be a decision you had to make when Nicholas was born, and you came to us and you said, "Look, Nicholas <coughs> might be born with a uh, difficult a, a difficulty like a, um, a disability," mm. and the resounding answer around the house was, "Of course, we'll have." Like, of course, we want you to have Nicholas, right? But how difficult was it to ha- to make that decision? It wasn't. A, it wasn't difficult. Yeah. It was just that I didn't know what it was going to be. Mm. Um, it's and nobody nobody knew. Yeah. So obviously Nicholas came along mm-hmm. and he, he was fine mm. up until he got he was six months. Then yeah. we noticed that he wasn't meeting his milestones. Mm. Um. And obviously, I took him to the doctor. They said, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. Right. Took him to the doctor, nothing wrong with him. And, and you know, you just notice little things. Mm. Um, and then eventually, I mean, went to several hospitals, still, he's fine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, no, he's not. Mm. There's something not right here. Yeah, yeah. And then once he started nursery, and then, you know, you... You're looking at the other children that are there. And then I just went on a journey and decided, well, do you know what? These doctors don't know what they're talking about. Mm. I'm going to start looking for myself. Yeah. And started researching, researching. Mm. And then eventually I ended up at Great Ormond Street and I had a piece of paper in my hand Mm. and I'd written down what I thought it might have been. But don't you remember, like, I I don't want to, like, put myself into this story. But <laughs> I do Guys, feel like I do feel like I was um, integral to like un- unlocking some of this, uh, um, yeah, unlocking some of like this. Um, I guess uh, understanding because it was like we we were. I remember being at school and we were in a biology class and we were learning about the the brain and also the way that the skull fuses together yes so i was gonna get to yeah yeah so what happened was when and i came home once and i was like oh you go yes so what happened what initially was that i noticed the shape of nicholas's head had changed right and so when babies are born they've got the fontanelle the soft spot on top Mm -hmm. of his head and had started to close up with, and then the brain had nowhere to, to grow. So it was literally pushing the back of the skull out. Mm. So as much as I'm saying to everyone, the hospitals, uh, doctors, um, they said, no, 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 it's fine. Let's measure, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it wasn't until I went to Great Ormond Street that they once I had seen someone called Professor Hayward and he'd done some x-rays. He said... I said, oh, before you start, is this is is this what he's got? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. Yeah. And by that time, it, Nicholas was about six years old. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, oh, well, you know, 
there's nothing we can do. The only thing we can do is cosmetic. So I said to him, so what do you mean, cosmetic? He said, well, we'd have to break the back of the skull and we'd have to remould the... So I said, so is it going to make a difference to... Um, his quality of life. His quality, his ability. No, it's just cosmetic. And I said, Stop. no, I'm not going to do that. And I said to him, if I had been able to come to you sooner, mm. what would have happened? He mm. said, well, it would have been a lot easier because we would have kept the skull open the brain would have been allowed to grow so he actually put pressures on different areas of his brain yeah um to do with his speech and language etc etc um however nicholas made up for all of his all of it all of the um everything yeah he did he did um yeah so just to look at him Initially, you would not know that mm. he has a learning disability, but he has. Yeah. And I think this morning, mm. Nicholas really gave me a run. Oh, really? Yeah, he did, he did. He really did. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that you just have to remember, mm. Nicholas thinks in a different way to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be very patient. Yeah. And instead of letting the fire burn, you out the fire. How do you do that with Nicholas? Well, you have to stay very calm. Yeah. You have to speak to him in a mm. manner that, you know, he's going to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, speak to him in a manner in which he's going to understand. And sometimes, you know, visual clues mm. will help Nicholas, mm. you know. Um, so, like, what... what like, okay, for those of us that are listening that don't really understand... Um, Nicholas's disability mm. like what how does that manifest itself on a, like what is it what how does it manifest itself on a day to day and how does that affect him like long term like long term so it, it's a lifelong condition that right. Nicholas has got yeah but let me turn that question on to you okay. as his brother okay how do you see him um I really wanted you to talk about this, but yeah, I can no, no, because I've been speaking for ages. But um, uh, all right, well, it took me a long time. It took me a very long time for me to accept and be comfortable with the idea that Nicholas is going to be okay. Mm. There's still days where I worry about him on a consistent basis like as in days where I work myself into a frenzy about his future and where he's going to be and who looks after him and what this world can potentially do to him and where he sits and what people think about him and where like what potential he can he has in this world because it's very slim it's not like myself or Alex or or Nathaniel's like Nicholas's life is is very precious in the sense that he doesn't have a lot for him which is just the the plain hard truth of everything and it's really sad when you think about um, if you go back to where you were talking about there was an opportunity that he could have potentially had a very very normal life and it wasn't picked up by professionals that he had um his brain was closed like his skull was closing too tight yeah, it was closed yeah closed, too quickly yeah too quickly but do we know that we don't know i've mum like do you know what yeah i not that we don't know not that we know it or not but there was a possibility yes. and it was an opportunity was missed. Yeah. And I think, and nothing was done after that. that and, that's, and that's that, right? And then as his brother and as like being able to watch and participate in his growth as a young adult and as an, as a, even as a, a, like a child, you, you see the pathways for children with disabilities that are, they're not there. They're not supported as much as other, like, mainstream and, like, 
fully functional um, children or even highly functional kids with autism. Like Nicholas is a low functioning individual with autism. And after a certain point in their life, you get to, there's hardly any help that's offered for them in the UK. And it's really, it's really difficult because you start to see your brother who is a man becoming a man and still has childlike tendencies and the and and childlike understanding do you know what i mean like you can see and you can also see him struggling Um, with his growth as like he wants to be able to communicate with you that you understand him and that he understands you, but there's a mm-hmm. language barrier. There is a comprehension barrier. There is a like emotional disconnect in some cases. Vulnerability. A vu- there's so much vulnerability so much, across yes. it, and you yeah. just all you want to do is like protect him, like mm. from the world, and sometimes from himself, mm. right? But you can't do. Sometimes you can't mollycoddle him because it's like. You gotta be able to make these decisions and these mistakes in order for you and, to understand and grow. Yeah, and you also have to let him have that experience, have an experience. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's you're protecting, protecting, yeah. but giving him the opportunity. Yeah, I think I do think there's quite there are things out there for Nicholas to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to find out what he likes. Yeah, and, that's and it's a, not about what we like. It's mm-hmm. what he likes and mm-hmm. what he's going to enjoy yeah you know mm. um but they're to, to to guide him yeah and giving him that space mm. um there are places that he can go but but there's not a lot there isn't there's not a lot of no. choice and it's very very difficult because there are quite a lot of children that have got disabilities learning disabilities yeah, or yeah. whatever you want to call it on the spectrum mm. um but he brings us joy. Listen. He bring us he brings us joy. You know, he thinks in a different way. Yeah. He gets to where he wants to get to. It might be the long way round, but he does get there. Mm-hmm. And he's happy. Yeah. That that's and that's the main thing is that he's yeah. actually happy. Yeah, I think that was you know I think that's one of the things. But it's also to understand that, you know, he, he has got feelings. It's just it's like this morning I had to listen to Guns and Roses. Because, because it, and the song was called, um, my is it my child? Was it this child of mine? Yeah, this child of mine. Right. And there's a line that it says, when you look in his eyes, you can see the pain. Mm. And so the pain for me was his frustration mm. because I'd taken his phone from him. So he was really frustrated. But he couldn't express himself to say, "Look, just give me the phone, mum. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to do my thing." Yeah. And I'm saying. I need to take the phone now, Nicholas, yeah. because you need to get ready. Yeah, yeah. Because he's got no concept of time. Right. You know? Mm. And as much as you know, you, you might put a timer, this or that in place, mm. to say, you know, when this goes off, you need to da-da-da. He doesn't want to. He just wants his phone. So, yeah. What, what, so, what, all right. So, where, Nicholas is probably going through, like, adolescence now. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, it it does it, it does it, feel it, like it that. Feels like, like he feels it. like he's a teenager almost now, and he's got yeah, like it's, that. no, it, he it's almost like he jumps from one. I'm a teenager. Yeah. And now I'm a young man. Yeah, I'm, right. It's, it's like he's jumping. He's transitioning at yes. the moment. I can and I can see that. Yeah. Like you can see that with the way that he carries himself, the way that he interacts with his friends, how he interacts with family. And you know what? Like some even that in itself sometimes is like very comforting to know that like even at his progression and at his pace of progression, there's mm. still a progression there. Yeah, and no. these are not like these are actually normal behaviours. It's just that it's coming at a different and later stage than we would have imagined. Yeah. And I think when we were younger um, I think I had like this idea that everyone was gonna like take advantage of Nick, you know. And there's still that case that's that's still a, there's still a thing in my mind that people potentially could do that. But there's also now uh, a resounding and like a reassuring feeling that he is gonna be able to like 
look after himself to a degree? I, he will always be supported. Yeah. But he's extremely vulnerable because if he goes out on the road... Yeah, but when I when I say that, I mean that I don't really think uh, people are going to mess with him. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they might try. <laughs> uh, uh, Nicholas has... Uh, wh- where, where Nicholas lacks, he has gained. Yeah. So where he might not have the best eyesight, he has super hearing. Absolutely. Nicholas has super hearing. So to the point where, like... I think he has superpowers. He can tell you who is entering the house by the way that the key comes goes into the keyhole. He can tell you who's coming up the stairs by way of te- by hearing the footsteps. Yeah, he can. Nicholas might not have the best eyesight, but it's almost like he has a photographic memory, so that when you've lost something, he you can tell you exactly where it is. Yeah. So these are the little things that I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe you don't have this, but you got that. Yeah. And one thing that he definitely has is superhuman strength. <laughs> <laughs> that boy is so strong. He is, isn't it? He's so strong. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think you realize how strong he is. He, he, lo- he looks as if you bl- if you blow on him, he's just gonna fly. Yeah. Right, but, <laughs> but don't let him grab you, you know. Won't let you go. <laughs> he's so strong. <laughs> I remember once you grabbed me, I said, oh my God. <laughs> uh, no, you grabbed me and I couldn't get out of it. I had to just laugh. Said, Let me go, please. <laughs> oh man. Oh gosh. But um, I guess what, what I'd like to ask you, mum, is um, what, what, would you, what would you hope for, would ha- like what, what would you hope in a world would happen uh, for Nicholas and for this, this, like, this kids with dis- uh, disabilities? I'd hope that, you know, people would... I, I, I wish that a lot more would be done for peop, people, children, families with disabilities. I wish the government would put in place what needs to be done and provide more specialist help. And if a mother says, you know, this is wrong with my child. They, 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 they wouldn't look at her like she's a neurotic mother. Mm. She does, you know, she's a new mum. It's fine. Mm. Oh, she, you know, she's had no children. She doesn't know this is what they do. Blah blah blah. But it, a mum always knows her child. Mm. You know, if mum says this is not right, it definitely is not right. And that the professionals really need to look into um, a mother's concern right. and not leave it too long. Mm. Or, you know, even if a child, like for Nicholas, if they're having speech and language difficulties, that it's not left too long. Mm. Because sometimes, I mean, the waiting list is long. Mm. And, you know, mums are, some of them are struggling. Yeah. Or if there's, and dads, yeah. Yeah. And if they could be signposted to somewhere else Mm. for um, help. I must say, there was a, an organisation that I went to when Nicholas was little and it was the um, Osteopathic Centre for Children and the first one was based in Farringdon and there was another one based in Wandsworth and that was, do you know, I was introduced to it by a friend Mm -hmm. who had a child with disabilities and um, when Nicholas went and they assessed him and he had to lie on the bed and they put their hands on him and did what they had to do. It was like Nicholas was a another child. <laughs> and we went back every two weeks and yeah, he went there yeah. up until the age of 18. Mm. And it was really helpful. And then someone said to me, I think it was in Australia, they said, in Australia, this is part of um, a, child's, a child and a mother's um, maternity... Um, help the yeah. maternity and afterbirth. This is what they would do for the the parent. Mm. And I just thought, you know what? Why can't it be free? Why can't it be here? Mm. You mm. know. But it really did help Nicholas. And and myself. Yeah. It did what What would you say are some of the like um like pain points for you? I like, think I think the pain looking po- after a, a, a child. Do you know what I think the first thing was obviously you are very blessed to have a child. That oh has yeah, it, but, absolutely. But like what? I think the first the first thing was you know someone saying 
the child's got a disability. And you think, no, it's fine. It's mm. nothing. You know, I've got two boys. They're fine. Mm. Oh, you'll be fine. Mm. And then it's accepting. Mm. Once you can accept. And I read a poem, and this poem was about a lady. Yeah. And she was going to France. But she ended up in Spain. Okay. And then she said, why am I here? I didn't want to go to France. I didn't want to go to Spain. I wanted to go to France. Why am I here? And it was just like, you know, you're having this baby. The expectation is that this baby's going to be okay. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And then you have the baby and they said, and then you find out the child has got something wrong with them. And you think, well, why? Mm. I've, I've done all the right things. I've, I've eaten all the, the right things. Why have I got this child that, mm. you know... I think once you can come to an acceptance that this is this is your child mm-hmm. and you've accepted this is this is an issue mm-hmm. and you can do what you can do for that child yeah. then that's fine and I that happened to me because I remember I was on holiday I was sitting on the plane I was crying coming back thinking oh my god what am I going to do what am I going to do and then I was coming off at Croydon trip East Croydon Station, putting my suitcases, and I saw all these children. Mm. You know, they were in a wheelchair. Their head was to one side, and at that point, I just said, "Thank you, Jesus. I'm fine. Mm. I've accepted Nicholas. There's nothing wrong with Nicholas. I'm yeah, just going to do yeah. as much as I can do for him." Yeah, yeah. And and that's how it's been. Mm. I've just accepted and said, "You know, yeah. thank you, God." Yeah. You know, and I think once you can accept, mm. this is my child. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Let me do the best. Let me put in place all the things that need to be put in place. Mm. And when the authorities say to you, no, yeah. you say yes. <laughs> and you fight them yeah. to yeah. get what you want. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when he was going to school and they were saying to me, oh, well, he's going to have to go to an ordinary school. And I'm thinking, no, he's not. He's not going to go to an ordinary school because I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to tell me he's got behavioral problems, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, no. And they said, oh, I'm going to take you to court. I said, take me to court then. And I found this solicitor, this really nice lady. And then I told her everything about Nicholas. And she said, no problem. I'll work for you. Yeah. And I said, well, how much is it? She said, it's fine. I'm just going to do it for you. Oh, it's amazing. free. She was. She was lovely. And she did the work for me. And yeah, we won. And Nicholas went to the school of my choice. I didn't actually know that it was a yeah. a court, like a court proceeding yeah, it, that you it, had to go to. Was it the... It, it, the, the it was a tri- the tribunal. tribunal. Yeah, it was the, the tribunal. So those are some of the like, like pain points, I guess. But what things have you been... Once you accepted that this is the reality for you and Nicholas? Once I've accepted that, yes, this is, this is it, Nicholas. We're in this boat and you're going to just... Get on with it. You're going to, do you know what? Just putting in place the things that, you know, Nicholas can do everything. Mm-hmm. You can swim. Mm-hmm. You can go to the adventure playground. Mm-hmm. You can do this and you can do this. You're coming on holiday. You're going to do everything else that everybody else is doing. Yeah. And he did. He yeah. did. Yeah. With guidance and support, mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. And on the journey, we've met so many amazing, lovely people and family members that have taken care of Nicholas. It's true. Um, and everybody who knows Nicholas yeah. fall in love with him. Yeah, his yeah, smile. Yeah. You know. Um, he ma- he masks. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. I can but you know what? He'll have a go. Yeah. You can try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. I think he's and he's got amazing friends. Yes. He has got amazing <laughs> friends. <laughs> he does. And he's a, a socialite. He he's is. more sociable than anybody. I, I've, um I've, one of my friends was working at his college and she's like you've got a brother. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I've seen your brother. He's just like you. He's like, she, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he was in the middle of a room holding court with about five people. Yeah. And he was the centre of attention. He's just making up so much. I was like, yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like one of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he's one of the kindest kids that you'll ever, ever come across. Like, he's got so it's much. Very like, helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very helpful. Too helpful sometimes. Too helpful sometimes. Too helpful but, sometimes. Yeah. Nicholas. No. 
Oh, no, I'm glad that you was able to um, come yeah. and share some of that, Mum, because I know you came in and you was a bit, like, a bit cloudy about it today, this morning, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, it, it, it kind of reminded me what, um, when he was younger and he had to take the bus to school. Yeah. And he used to have a bad day, bad morning, <laughs> and I used to say, Kieran, Nicholas is not going. Can you come and talk to him? Yeah. And then he'd say, come on, Nicholas, come on. And he'd get on the bus... And then he'd show me his thumb, <laughs> like Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd turn it upside down, like say, and he'd say, bad day. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> he used to go, bad day. And that'd be seven o'clock and this would be me. Bye, Nicholas. See you at four. <laughs> memories and I have to smile because when I look at him now and I think oh my god Nicholas you know you're a great guy there's so many stories um, that have just been like littered through Nicholas's life that I feel like they would they wouldn't happen if it wasn't him but because they are they are him because they are him it um, it makes it even more special I mean no, it's been lo- it's been lovely, mum. It's been lovely talking to you today. Yeah, um, I feel like it's been a little bit um, of a while since we sat and yeah. had a little conversation. Catch up, but um, nice to catch up. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and as always, when you're ready, take a listen and come back and hang with us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>